time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you? Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us for today's edition of the financial physician, Lou Scatigna here. On The Financial Physician, we talk money, markets, politics, and anything I feel like talking about. I have a great show for you today. Uh, when don't we have a great show for you? Never. Uh, later in the show, we're going to talk about uh, some incredible developments in some of the legal cases against Donald Trump, uh, specifically in Georgia. What a show that was this week, where Fannie Willis and her lover, had to disclose very intimate details of their relationship uh, on national TV. Uh, it's obvious that um, she's going to be taken off the case. Uh, uh, she may already have been by the time this airs. We don't know. Uh, we have, um, ooh, there's a, there's a binder floating around Washington that's got uh, a lot of people nervous, and it has to do with uh, the CIA under Obama, uh, utilizing the help of uh, allied intelligence agencies to spy on 26 Trump associates in 2016. We're going to dive into that. How about this story? Squatters are taking over homes all over the nation, and they're turning turning them into crime dens. You won't believe this. It's amazing what could happen to you. What else do we have? Oh, Colorado. What's wrong with Colorado? Colorado introduces a bill that, that would force schools to transition students questioning gender identity. What's going on in California, uh, Colorado? Uh, what else do we have here? Retail sales unexpectedly plunged in January. Is the consumer finally tapped out? Have they hit a debt wall? We'll talk about that. Uh, CPI came out this week hotter than expected. Dow Jones Industrial Averages uh, plunged uh, almost 500 points um, in reaction to that. Has the market topped out here yet? We'll see. We'll talk about that. We're going to dive into the surveillance state. You won't believe how many times you're on camera a day and how the government can spy on you. You won't believe it. Do you want to talk about Big Brother 1984? That's it. Uh, what else are we going to talk We're going to talk about the VAX. A lot of information starting to come out on that, of, of injuries and deaths. Uh, there was a hearing on Capitol Hill this week. You got to hear Marjorie Taylor Greene. Unbelievable. We'll play some of that later on. And much, much more here on The Financial Physician. Let's get started. Let's start off. I haven't talked about this subject in a long time. And it it's always gets under my skin because I hate it. And it's about annuities. Right, and, and, and those who are long-term listeners to the program know I hate annuities. And I'm one of the few financial advisors that do because I don't sell them. I don't make tons of commissions on these things. Uh, and I haven't given any client an annuity in 20 years. Uh, 
to provide annuities to your clients, you have to have an insurance license and a securities license. I let my insurance license go years ago. I'm not big into uh, selling insurance. So I, I let that go, and I, 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 I'm so against annuities. I didn't need the license to do that. And, 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 and I'm going to explain annuities. Now, most people who have annuities never went shopping for annuities. They never looked for them. They were sold them. And the first thing to keep in mind, and you always got to think about this, who's making the money? How much money are they making? Are there, is there any conflict of interest? Whenever anybody suggests an annuity to you, I suggest that your radar should go up. Because what most people who have annuities don't know is that they pay the highest commissions of any investment product by far to the quote-unquote financial advisors or financial salespeople uh, that sell them. So I want to go over the pros and cons of annuities. What are they um, uh, and what uh, what they're supposed to do? But there's more negatives than positives. Now, I'll go on to say that is there a place for annuities in certain people's lives? Yes, there is. They, they work fine for certain people in certain situations, but most people who have annuities, namely retired people, shouldn't have them in the first place. Anybody who has annuities that in an IRA, uh, it should be illegal. And we'll explain all that to you here in the opening segment of the financial um, physician. Now, annuity is a contract. It's a contract between you and an insurance company. Now, keep that, always keep that in mind. It's a contract. It's an insurance product. Now, we could talk about how it came about, but, you know, the insurance companies uh, saw all this money going into mutual funds back in the 60s, 70s and such uh, and 80s, uh, and they lobbied their congressmen. And keep in mind, insurance companies have a powerful lobby in Washington. Uh, and they uh, had laws passed that gave annuities certain tax benefits. Number one, in an annuity, the profits in an annuity grow tax deferred. So you don't pay tax every year or capital gains on the growth of them. But we'll talk about the tax trap later on there. And uh, and they were able to compete with mutual funds and other investments. So you put money in an annuity. How do you do it? Uh, you could put a single premium in. You could put 100000 in. You could put as much as you want. Unlike other retirement plans like IRA accounts or 401ks, there's no limits on how much you can put in there. And you put the money in there and you make a contract with the insurance company that at some point you're going to be able to get payouts from that annuity, either in a lump sum, a whole amount, or through payouts over time. And when you think of the word annuity, what does it mean? It typically means fixed payments over a certain amount of time. So think about a pension. A pension is an annuity, right? You know, if you take a monthly pension for your life, that's an annuity. Money comes every month at the same time for as long as you live, and maybe your spouse gets part of that money after you die. That's what an annuity is. But annuities, for the most part, most people don't take periodic payments. You know, most people put money in an annuity to grow tax-deferred and then to take the whole thing out at some point. So what type of annuities are? Well, the three most common annuities are variable annuities, fixed annuities, and index annuities. If you have an annuity, you have one of these three. So what's a variable annuity? A variable annuity, think about mutual funds that have market risks. 
So you put the money in this annuity contract with an insurance company. There's something called sub-accounts where you could put money in a growth fund or a bond fund or what have you. There's all kinds of different options that you have. And the value of that annuity goes up or down based on what the markets do. That's called a variable annuity. Now, the gains you have year over year, not taxed until you take the money out. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Fixed annuities are like a savings account. You put the money in, there's no risk as far as the market going up or down is. It just pays you interest rate. So you can put money in a five-year fixed annuity. It's going to pay you 3% a year. That's fine. Then you have what's called equity index annuities. Now, these are very popular now, uh, not popular for investors, popular for people selling them uh, because these tend to pay the highest commissions. And uh, what these are, are they're fixed annuities where your return is based on what the stock market does. There's something called a participation rate. So say the S&P 500 uh, goes up 10%. Well, if the participation rate is 30%, you're going to get a 3% rate of return. Because the stock market went up 10, you participate 30% of that return, you get 3%. And the participation rate varies from one contract to the other. And that's one of the most important things about that. Now, now, one thing I will say about annuities, they're so complex that the average investor has no idea what they're investing in. They just take that nice young man or young woman who uh, they trusted uh, to push them in the right direction uh, because they know nothing. Uh, and they did what this young person said or that 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 banker in that corner office that the teller sent you over to because you have 200000 in a savings account and they wanted to exploit that money. And most people selling you the annuity doesn't know how it works. Now, I've been in the financial services business for 40 years. I still look at annuity contracts and don't fully understand some of them. Because each annuity contract is different. They have different parameters, different restrictions, different fees. I'm a certified financial planner. 40-year career. And I still look at some of these contracts and don't understand them. How can you as an investor? You don't. You, you invest in them because of trust. And keep in mind, an annuity is not a life insurance policy, even though life insurance companies provide them. It's not a savings account. Again, it's supposed to be for a stream of income when you retire. So theoretically, say you put 100000 in an annuity, it grows tax deferred until you retire. And then the theory is that you give up the principal for a lifetime stream of monthly payments. That's called annuitizing your account. Now, you could take the money out any time. You could take it all out. And we're going to talk about the the cost. Uh, I call annuities, and I, I, I coined this term 30 years ago, the roach motels of investing. Remember the old commercial? You can get in, but you can't get out. Well, that's what annuities are. They're very liquid with very, very uh, significant negative um, aspects of getting your money back. Now, an annuity contract, it's the opposite of life insurance. It pays you while you live, where a life insurance pays you when you die. And, and, and it's a big business. In 2021, total annuity sales in the United States was $255 billion. Now, is this because you and I were looking for annuities? No, no, no. You sit down with that uh, that nice financial advisor 
uh, that you came across and, and he sits down with you and says, look, I got the best thing for you. This is an annuity. This is the way it works. They're going to make it sound like it's the best thing in the world. And you say, oh, okay. That's how $255 billion finds its way into annuities. And that's how $20 billion of that money goes into the pockets of people selling them. And always keep in mind, when anybody talks to you about annuity, this is the highest compensation that a financial, again, I don't want to say advisor because a lot of, most people in the financial services business are not advisors. They're salespeople. They're taught how to sell financial products, whether it be mutual funds, stocks, bonds, annuities. They're not financial planners. Now, if somebody has, you know, a certified financial planner designation, well, they're financial planners. And that doesn't mean that they're not pushing annuities, too. Many CFPs do. Just not this one. So, uh, again, a fixed annuity, you get a fixed interest rate. That's the most risk-free. The variable annuity goes up and down with the stock market. Uh, an equity index annuity is tied to the stock market in some way. You can never lose. If the stock market goes down 20% like this year, equity index annuity is going to pay you zero. Is zero a good rate of return? Well, it's better than minus 20. And that's why you see these commercials on TV that you can only make money. You can never lose. Well, if inflation is uh, 8% this year and you made zero, well, you lost to inflation, right? but certainly better than being down 20%. And that's the selling point that people push on these equity index annuities. Look, you can only make money. You can never lose. The market goes up, you make money. The market goes down, you lose nothing. But the question is, how much do I make when the markets go up? It could be a very small percentage of it. So, you know, you retire, you could say, you know, I want to give up um, uh, the money. I have $200,000. Uh, I'd rather get uh, 1300 a month for the rest of my life. All right, that's called annuitization. I don't recommend it. Now, I shouldn't say I don't recommend it. In some situations, it makes sense. For some people, having a guaranteed monthly income for the rest of their life is a smart thing. Who are these people? These are people that are not good with money. These are people who will blow it. These are people who have vices, gambling, drinking, drugs, whatever. And giving up the principle to know that every month they're going to get a payment is the right thing. For most people, it's the wrong thing. Why would you give your money away to somebody else so they can give it back to you in dribs and drabs over the course of your life? Where you don't have any access to the principle and there is no inheritance for your children. It's usually a big mistake, and I usually advise people against it. So what are some of the, the cons of annuities? The pros are that it grows tax deferred. So, you know, if you're in a high tax bracket and it's growing, it doesn't go on your tax return, at least while it's accumulating. You're never going to avoid the taxes. But that's one of the benefits. If you're in a high tax bracket when you're working, here's a way that you can put money away for retirement and you don't have to worry about paying taxes when you're in a high tax bracket when you're earning money. Okay, makes sense. But you're not going to avoid the taxes. That's about the only advantage I see in annuities is the tax advantage. But again, that could 
come out to bite you later on. So we'll talk about that in a second. So what's the disadvantage of annuities? The first disadvantage is fees and commissions. And the average fees within an annuity itself, you don't see it because it just comes off your return, is 2 to 3% a year. That's really expensive compared to other alternative investments like mutual funds and, and bonds and things like that. And uh, it is the highest fee structure that I've ever seen in investments. And I find that very troubling. What type of fees do we see in there? Well, the first one, the biggest one is surrender charges. And and this is the big, big deal. Uh, Surrender charges are you put 100,000 in an annuity. The insurance guy is going to tell you, hey, there's no commissions in this. I get paid by the insurance company. Don't worry about it. No money's going to come out of your money. So what happens is you put your hundred thousand in the in the annuity, the insurance company may pay them six, seven, eight, ten percent commission. Must be pretty nice. Somebody invests a hundred thousand with me, I make eight grand. That's nice. But who pays for this? Well, the insurance company is gonna lay the money out to the agent, and then they're gonna make it back off of you through the 2 to 3% annual fees that they're charging on your money. So think about it. If they're paying out 8% and they're, they're charging 3% a year in management fees, they're going to get that money back in four years, less than four years. And the rest of the time, it's profit. But what happens if you don't stay around long enough for them to make their money back and you just want to take your money out? You need it. You want to do something else with it, whatever. This is when the surrender fees kick in. They're going to get it back from you. The insurance company never loses. Only you will lose. So in the first year, the first uh, first year surrender fee may be 10%. I've seen it as high as 18%. And that fee may be there for eight years, 10 years. It varies based on contract. It also varies on how much money the salesman's making on the annuity. I've seen 15-year surrender fees. Outrageous. So if somebody tells you, oh, it's not going to cost you anything, that's a lie. If you take your money out, you are going to get hit with a surrender fee. So if you look at, and many times the salesperson doesn't tell you about the surrender fee schedule. They just say, oh, no, there's no commissions. The insurance company pays me. No worries. But if you look at the policy and you look at withdrawals and you go to page 56 uh, in the policy and you see the surrender fee schedule, you'll see the first year could be 8%, second year 7%, and 6% of the original investment all the way down. So now if you want to get your money out, it's going to cost you a chunk. And I can't tell you how many people don't know that because they come to me and I see they have the annuity and I say, what's the surrender fee schedule? What are you talking about, Lou? Bring me the policy or I call the insurance company. We find out that they're locked up. And they can't take their money out and do something else with it without a huge bite. So that's the number one fee. It's a really one. That's the one that pays the commission to the agent who's not making it off you, by the way. Then there's something called mortality and expense charges. Well, this could be as high as one and a quarter percent a year. And this pays back the insurance company if you die. And, because if you die, there's no surrender fees to your beneficiary. So they got to insure against that. So you got to pay for that insurance. Then is the administration fees. What's it cost to run the annuity? And that's, that's significantly high as well. Now, 
I call annuities the roach motels of investments, and this is the reason why, meaning you can get in, you can't get out. The first thing is the surrender fee, as I just mentioned, which can be onerous. I remember I had a client see me, oh, God, it must be 10 years ago, and a listener to this program, uh, and I always offer listeners to this program, no obligation, complimentary first appointment. And we go over a lot of things. And they say, you know, Lou, I got this annuity. You know, I don't really know how it works. I go, well, how long have you had it? Oh, two years. I said, well, you know what the surrender fee is uh, on this? What's a surrender fee, Lou? <laughs> well, well, let me explain to you what a surrender fee is, which by law should have been explained to you before you purchased it. Uh, and I'll look at the policy. Or I'll call the insurance company. I'll find out that uh, they're at a 6% surrender fee right now. Now, this guy had three annuities worth a million dollars. So 6% on a million dollars was 60 grand. Boy, the, whoever sold him these annuities made like 80 grand off of him on one sale. Can you imagine that? That's why I'm saying. Your radar has got to go up when someone's talking to you about annuities because this is where they make their money. They may make 2% on a mutual fund. They're going to make 8% on an annuity. What do you think they're going to suggest to you? It's human nature, right? And they'll talk themselves into the fact that the annuity is great for you because they, they'll, they'll convince themselves, they'll rationalize it. But it's certainly good for them. You want to talk about a conflict of interest? There you got it. Now, 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 now most, most annuities allow you to take something out every year without a penalty. Usually it's 10%. Uh, every year you can take 10% out without that surrender fee. But you can't take all your money up. So like this, this gentleman who came and saw me with a million dollars in annuities did not know that there was a penalty to take the money out. Conveniently, uh, the salesperson did not explain that. And who actually looks at the policy when you get it in the mail? Do you look at page 56 on withdrawals? Of course not. So that's the first illiquidity issue, the first roach motel issue, if you will. The second one is the tax trap. Now, I mentioned before that annuities are tax deferred. Now, I'm not talking about IRA annuities. Now, annuities are tax-deferred to begin with. Why anybody would put an IRA that's already tax-deferred into an annuity, I have no idea. In my opinion, it should be illegal for annuities to be part of an IRA. Uh, why would you do that? I have no idea. That's called a qualified annuity. Uh, uh, Non-qualified annuities, when you put after-tax money in, and it grows tax-deferred. So you put 100000 in, it's now worth 150. The 50% that's been deferred is taxable. And one of the negatives of the annuity is that you don't have any capital gains tax rates. Everything's ordinary income. So if you're in a very high tax bracket and you take that money out, you may be paying 30, 35% tax on it, as well as state tax. Whereas if you had a mutual fund and you took out the money and it was a capital gain, maybe you only pay 15%. So a lot of times people come to me and say, yeah, I've had this annuity for eight years, 10 years, ah, okay, you, you bypassed the surrender fee because you, you held it long enough. You don't have to worry about that. But now we have to worry about income tax. And one of the, the negatives of an annuity is that if, if, you, if you put 100 in and it's worth 150, the first 50,000 that comes out is taxable. The profits always come out first. It's not like you say, well, wait a second, two thirds of this money is return of my own capital. Shouldn't I just be paying tax on one-third of what I take out? No, that's not the way it works. The profits come out first. So now we have the tax trap. People say to me, oh, Lou, I can't cash in this annuity. 
I'm just going to have $150,000 or $100,000 income here. That's going to blow my tax bracket out. It's going to kick me out of the benefits I have for property tax reimbursement as a senior. Uh, it may cause my Medicare Part B to go up. Uh, all kinds of crazy stuff starts to happen when you have a chunk of taxable income that comes in. Now, you could switch from one annuity to another annuity to another annuity. As long as you stay in that annuity universe, you could defer the taxes, but it's not going away. Also, if you inherit money, say I inherit a stock that's gone up 100% from my mother. I get what's called a stepped-up cost basis, meaning that the cost for capital gains purposes to me is the value at the date my mother died. You inherited an annuity. Uh Uh-uh. There's no stepped-up cost basis. You're paying income tax on a profit at ordinary income tax rates. Um, So, again, it's the Roach Motel. You can get in, but you can't get out. Many people have pushed these annuities because only one reason. And I know somebody. I have a friend in the industry, um, and all he sells is annuities. And I ask him, well, why? I mean, is this in your client's best interest? He goes, I make the biggest commissions on them. Why would I sell anything else? Is that person working for you? No. They're working for themselves. So nobody goes out and buys an annuity. Uh, People um, are sold annuities. And I hate it. Because they're trapped. And I never like to be illiquid. As an investor, I don't like to be illiquid. I like to be able to liquidate my money, do something else with it. You know, what if something comes along uh, a year after you put your life savings in an annuity and you have another option or another opportunity? You can't switch. You can't get your money out without getting hit. I never like that. I like to be able to zig and zag. And what if an emergency happens? You know, you, you, you know, your family needs money. You know, your, your son lost his job. You may be losing a house or you want to help him out. Right now you got to worry about what's going to cost me to get this money. And then when you convert it at the end, if you want to, you don't have to, you could take the whole money out. But if you convert it into an annuity where you're starting to get monthly income, well, if you choose the, the one that gets you the most money, which is called the life settlement, the life annuity, and you get two payments and die, that's it. I have $200,000 that I just converted to a, uh, an income annuity for 1500 a month, and I get 3000 back over two months and die. The insurance company keeps the money. Wow, that's a great deal for the insurance company, not for your beneficiaries. Or you may claim that, well, I want to have you know income from my wife as well or my husband, so I'm going to choose the spousal benefit. Where if I die, my spouse gets 50% of what I was getting. Well, why should my spouse get 50% of what I was getting? Why shouldn't they get the same amount? And then when my spouse dies, that's it. There's no inheritance. There's nothing left. Same is true of a pension. I mean, if you think about it, pensions and annuities are kind of the same thing. Many people, when, they, when they're retiring, they have an option of uh, taking a lump sum and investing it on their own, putting it in their own IRA account. Or they take the the monthly pension or the the survivor pension with their wife gets 50% or so forth. I almost always advise take the lump sum. That way your wife doesn't have to take a 50% pay cut when you die. And when your spouse dies, there's money left for your kids to inherit. Never give up, in general, never give up your money for somebody else to give it back to you. Doesn't make any sense. You put it put it in a shoebox under your bed and take out that money every month. At least, you know, when you die, that money's still there for your, your spouse and for your kids. So annuities, uh, they're all the rage. As I said, $255 billion a year 
is pushed on investors. Um, there's also, I didn't mention before that if you take the money out before you're 59 and a half, the profitable portion is penalized 10% as well as income taxes on the profit. So there's all kinds of traps here. And the most important thing is that if you can't explain what that annuity is to me, then why, why are you invested in it? And I have trouble explaining some of these annuities to, to my own clients who come to me with these things. I look in the policy and I'm like, look, I got, I got to call the insurance company. I don't understand what they're saying here. And one thing about annuities, uh, and, and this always causes me problems when I talk about this. Uh, you have 30 days from the day you sign that contract to pull out. Uh, and when I've talked about annuities on this program, many people have called the, the person who sold it to them two weeks ago and says, you know what? I don't want this annuity. I heard this guy on the radio and it doesn't sound like it's for me. Uh, I want to cancel the contract. And meanwhile, the salesman already spent his uh, $8,000 and he's not happy with me. And I get nasty emails from insurance people and annuity salesman and I get uh, nasty voicemails because my listeners call them up and say, you know what? I have second thoughts about this annuity. I don't want it. But unfortunately for too many people, um, it's too late. They're stuck. One thing also to keep in mind as far as risk go, um, if you're on a fixed annuity or an equity index annuity, uh, those are general assets of the insurance company. Meaning that if the insurance company went under, um, you're out of luck. You're a creditor. Annuities are not FDIC insured. Some states have an insurance pool for it. Uh, but if an insurance company goes under and you have a fixed annuity of any type, uh, you're at risk. You become a creditor. Now, if you have a variable annuity, that's not so. Because variable annuities are kept in separate accounts. They're not the general assets of the insurance company. And whatever the value is of those annuities would be protected. But again, you have to understand this stuff. Don't put your life savings in any vehicle that you can't basically explain to your son or daughter what it is and what the costs are and what the liquidity issues are regarding it. So be very, very careful. If anybody starts mentioning variable annuities to you, banks are really big in this. They like to, uh, you know, the teller is trained when they see that you have a lot of money in a, a savings account to direct you to that nice young man in the quarter office. So the nice young woman over there. And once they get you in there, uh, the answer to all your problems is an annuity. That radar should go up and make sure you understand the liquidity issues, the cost, the surrender fees, the tax issues before you do that. And unfortunately too many people now own annuities because they were sold them and still don't understand how they work and are surprised to uh, learn that if they try to take their money out, they're going to get hit with a big fee. Uh, let's take a break. My name is Luz Katigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate 
estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Registered Investment Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. I want to thank all of you for sharing the podcast. The podcast is growing each and every week. And the only way that happens is by you telling friends and family about the show. And I really do appreciate it. You want to get in touch with me? Very easy. Just email me at lou at thefinancialphysician.com. That's lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, uh, this past week, uh, the government announced the Consumer Price Index. And it shocked the markets because it was much worse than expected. Uh, and economists and analysts were really puzzled about this. Uh, and uh, the stock market really didn't like it. The bond market didn't like it. The dollar got strong. Uh, the concern or the com- uh, conventional wisdom that the Federal Reserve was going to lower interest rates in March went right out the window. And some people are even saying that they may not even lower interest rates at all this year, with inflation still high. So inflation for January uh, was uh, 0.3% for the month. Uh, Analysts, economists were expecting uh, 0.2. Well, you'd say that's not a big deal, Lou. It's, you know, it's one-tenth of 1%. Uh, But it's 50% higher than expected. 0.2 to 0.3 is 50% higher. And it caused much concern to investors because the market loves lower interest rates. It is the drug that makes the market move. And the move that we've seen in the market since um, late October, which has been a blistering straight up, uh, has been fueled by the optimism that the Fed's going to lower interest rates significantly in 2023, that the inflation uh, is behind us now and it's manageable. Well, this report kind of stood that on its head. And I doubt very, very much that the Federal Reserve is going to lower interest rates anytime in the first half of 2023. Now, even if inflation is only running about 3.6%, uh, that's 3.6% a year over and above the increases we've had the last two years. 
So prices are staying stubbornly high. They're not coming down. They're just going up a little less than they were a year ago or two years ago. And who knows, maybe even the Federal Reserve will have to raise interest rates. Look at some uh, of these inflation figures year over year. Now, the government tells you that, um, you know, it's only like 3.7%. But look at some of these things that we use every day. Car insurance. Well, most of us drive a car. And we need car insurance. Car insurance inflation, year over year, is 20.6%. I've mentioned it in the last couple of weeks on this program. Many of us are getting notices from our car insurance uh, that uh, they're raising rates because uh, cars are more expensive to replace because of all the technology in cars. When they break down, it it costs more for the parts and the labor. We also are seeing uh, uh, homeowners insurance going up. Why? Because housing prices have gone up a lot. So they're insuring a bigger asset, right? Transportation inflation, 9.5% year over year. Hospital services inflation, 6.7%. Car repair inflation, 6.5%. Rent inflation, 6.1%. Restaurant inflation, 5.1%. I think these numbers are, are low. I really do. I think they're much higher than that. And many families now are having struggles uh, with affordability of living. I've told you so many times here, 67% of Americans are paycheck to paycheck. And just as many people uh, could not have to deal with a a $1,000 emergency bill. Oh, speaking of inflation, uh, did you see Joe Biden on Super Bowl Sunday? I mean, after he refused to uh, be interviewed for the second year in a row, uh, there's no way he can go through a a long interview on national TV. Uh, but he did this video recording piece about inflation, actually shrinkflation, which we've talked about uh, on the show. It was pretty hilarious. And it was totally dishonest from the beginning. I wonder how many takes it took for him to do this. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging you just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. No, Joe, uh, folks aren't calling it shrinkflation. It's uh, you and your administration are calling it shrinkflation, an attempt to uh, blame manufacturers for inflation when it, the blame is on your shoulders. And, and that's going to be their shtick going forward. It's, uh, it's the greedy companies that are doing it. And uh, they're either going to raise the prices of that bag of chips or they're going to give you less chips in the same bag and blow it full of air. It's the same thing. It's just less painful uh, to still have the same size packaging, uh, even though you have less product inside. I guess they feel if it 
actually swallow the packaging, uh, you may not buy it. I don't know. There's got to be some psychology to that. But uh, the Biden administration, Joe Biden himself, continued to tell his fairy tale about prices coming down. They're not coming down. They're just not going up as fast. Uh, and uh, this is something that, that Biden's not going to get away from. Another ugly uh, economic uh, number came out this week uh, on retail sales. In January, retail sales declined 0.8% from December. Uh, again, the market didn't expect that. Uh, and it looks like the consumer, the average middle class family and lower class family have, have hit the wall. High inflation is killing them. Uh, high credit card debt, and uh, people pulled back. Now, keep in mind, that that's with prices higher. So uh, with prices over 3% higher than last year, uh, for retail sales to be down dollar-wise is, is a pretty big deal. And uh, I think that's going to continue. People now are buying just what they have to buy. It'd be interesting to see this spring season, you know, what sales look like for barbecues, patio furnitures, things that you don't absolutely need at any given time. You could go one more year usually with your barbecue, or you can keep that Chase Lounge another year or two. And I want to see what uh, earnings are going to look like for for companies like Home Depot uh, and see if people cut back on on home repair uh, and uh things they typically buy during the spring. But you just can't keep spending money that you don't have. And I think uh, families now realize that, hey, we're under so much debt right now, we just can't keep doing this. And we're going to have to cut back. And I think uh, January was just the start of it. And what I thought was a crazy story that I read this week, squatters are taking over homes and buildings all over America right now. And once a squatter gets into a vacant property, it's almost impossible to get him out. And because of online listings, it's easy to identify properties that are vacant. And many states have laws that make it really difficult to get squatters out once they settled in. Isn't this outrageous? It's not their property. They have no right to be there. But this is becoming a... An absolutely massive problem in America, especially in certain areas of the country. You know, in Atlanta, 1,200 homes have squatters in them right now. And these squatters are ruining entire neighborhoods in Atlanta. And, 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 and the police response to evict these people is so slow that even some homeowners are actually paying them to leave. Could you believe that? Listen to this story. Bra brazen squatters even opened up an illegal strip club on a property they had taken over. One of the 1,200 homes which have been squatted in the city. I'd be terrified in Atlanta to lease out one of my properties. This guy says who manages a, a local home cleaning company. He said, there's no way in the world I would want to own a rental property in the city. And... Uh, because once you rent it out and they stop paying the rent, good luck trying to get them out. Uh, and uh, 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 with this comes a lot of crime in these neighborhoods. 
there's a company. It's called One Time Payment Homes, and they they ran an ad called it, calling it the New Year Special. Fourteen hundred dollars will get you the keys to a squatter home so that you can stack money and turn your life around. <laughs> Unbelievable! There's a company that actually will help you to get into a squatter home. Uh, you would think that whoever's behind this company uh, should go to jail, but that's not how it works in America in 2024. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, some government agency isn't funding them to do this. How about this? In the state of Washington, squatters have taken over an entire apartment complex and turned it into a den of crime. Squatters and crime are taking over a Fife apartment complex. Families and the people handling it properly are both beyond frustrated. The problems are at the Sherwood Park apartments. Police say the situation also attracted a ton of criminal activity. Now officers regularly patrol the area because of all the problems. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But it's hard to get these people out. California, another state, has ridiculous laws when it comes to squatters. And there's a a very uh, sophisticated criminal ring of squatters. And uh, they've taken over a Beverly Hills mansion. it's, It's just incredible. And you can't get these people out. The Mediterranean estate at 1316 Beverly Grove listed for $4.5 million, has been occupied by a very sophisticated criminal ring of squatters. The squatters are earning upwards of $30,000 a month renting rooms and hosting huge house parties with $100 entry fees. Uh, It's just unbelievable. You wouldn't believe that this is even possible. And it's so wrong, but it's getting worse and worse each year. It's just another example of the lawless society we live in right now. The um, Alice in Wonderland insanity. That's America in 2024. And I, I even heard the story. I think it was recently in the New York area, I think. Uh, this husband and wife were squatting in a home that they originally rented and just stopped paying rent. For something like 10 years, they couldn't get him out. I couldn't imagine owning a piece of property. I can't sell it. I can't rent it until I get these people out. Now, I'd show up there with a couple of my goombas, and uh, we get them out. I'm Italian. We have ways of persuading people to do something. Because I, w- I would be going absolutely apeshit if someone was squatting one of my homes that I owned. But it's a real problem in America. And, uh, of course, laws and governments aren't doing anything to help the homeowner. Earlier I was talking about inflation. I probably should have covered this uh, in that segment. But uh, I don't want to skip over it. Um, uh, Inflation's up 18% since January 2021 when Biden was sworn in. And uh, that's losing almost 20% of the dollar's purchasing power in just three years. Think about that. That's a serious, serious problem. 
and it's not going to go away. Now, uh, farmers are out now in the entire Western world. They're they're protesting, not here in America, but man, all across Europe, and they're getting their way too, because uh, they're shutting down cities like Paris, and uh, they're not going away. But uh, farmers throughout the entire Western world are, are warning that that cost increases from the net zero movement will drive food prices still higher. While at the same time putting many small farmers out of business, which means you have less supply and more inflation. And uh, this crazy climate push, they're trying to kill us, people. Let's face it. They're trying to poison us. They're trying to kill us with viruses and vaccines. We'll talk about that later. Uh, And now they're trying to uh, uh, eliminate our food supply. They've already poisoned the food supply with GMO, genetic modified, whatever the O stands for, forgot. And uh, and now they're um, trying to squeeze farmers by saying they can't use fertilizer and this and that. At the same time, you have Bill Gates buying up all the farmland he can. Is he buying it so he could farm and make money, or is he buying it just so he could shut farms down to make food even more scarce? You also have um, the Chinese buying up millions of acres of farmland. How can that be permitted? I have no idea. What are they going to do? Just not grow any food on the land once we go to war with them? It's... uh, Really unbelievable. Uh, A report was put out recently um, by the Buckeye Institute to quantify the cost of Bidenomics to farmers. The report was titled, Net Zero Climate Control Policies Will Fail the Farm. And it projects that farmers will see costs rise by at least 34%, which will increase the household grocery bill for an American family of four by more than $1,300 a year. Complying with net zero emissions policies and corporate ESG reporting requirements will increase prices of farm inputs, the cost of which will ultimately be passed on to consumers at grocery stores and restaurants. So this is where the left is going, trying to get to net zero, no emissions, no greenhouse gases, and you're going to pay for it. But that's what they want. They want to stick it to you. Let's dig a little deeper uh, into this report. Um, the report analyzed an average U.S. farm, which is about 700 acres in size, producing corn. It then summed uh, the cost of complying with net zero mandates, as well as price increases on fuel, fertilizer, and other supplies from various net zero initiatives that are either in place or expected to take effect. The report projects that the cost base of this farm will escalate from 192000 to 257000 as a result. As costs trickle down to consumers, the grocery bill for a family of four would increase from 8320 to 9650 a 15% increase. It's important to understand that, you know, when you're raising costs to farmers, that is being passed on to consumers also 
it's uh, being passed down to ranchers who grow beef. Uh, corn's an input to beef. So uh, beef's going up as it is. I mean, beef has gone up from, what was it, uh, 397 a pound in January 2021. Again, enter Biden uh, to $5.03 uh, cents a pound uh, in January 2024. So you have cattle ranches now are struggling with higher feed costs, fuel costs. And they're also dealing with drought and other issues in the United States. Uh, so again, our food supply is being affected. Uh, it's going to get to the point of where it just can't afford food. Again, trying to kill us. No food, no people. Look at some of the, the price increases for food. American cheese. I didn't realize this. You know, American cheese is up 78%. And I believe this period is from uh, January of 2021 till now. Bananas, 59%. Beef, 70%. Butter, 24%. Chicken, 39%. A dozen eggs, 36%. Flour, 32%. Pork, 28%. Strawberries, 47%. And sugar, 43%. Uh, I thought, you know, inflation is low. Well, it's not. So what, why, do, why do climate activists oppose animal farming? Uh, it's because certain livestock uh, produce um, a lot of greenhouse gases. And beef's the number one target. Of all livestock, beef produces the most greenhouse gas emissions and accounts for about 60% of all greenhouse uh, gas emissions from farming. So what's going to happen is beef's going to become a luxury product, like champagne or caviar. A, the prices are going to be unaffordable. I'd love to go to the grocery store. I'm, I'm usually the shopper in my house. I'm the cook for the most part. I like to grocery shop on the weekend and plan my meals and all that. So I spend a lot of time at grocery stores. And uh, I have a perverse little thing that I like to do. Uh, I like to stand close to the meat case and watch people's reaction when they pick up a steak and look at the price. And they drop it like it's radioactive right back into the meat case. I've done that myself. Uh, picked up something and said, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I ain't spending this kind of money for a steak. I was in a Costco last week. And uh, I like the meat section in Costco, but it's just the prices have just gone through the roof. Uh, now, granted, they're, they're, they're pretty big packages, but the price per pound has gone up unbelievably. I picked up a, a package of uh, three nice size. Actually, it was four. Nice size uh, ribeye steaks, $75. So uh, does that make each steak, like $18, $19 for a steak? Boy, a lot of people eating chicken these days. Uh, and uh, in my local supermarket, once in a while, uh, chicken's on sale for $0.99 cents a pound for a pack of uh, chicken thighs. Boy, when I see 99 cents a pound, I load up on them. I have three freezers in my house. 
And that's the way people have to shop now for food. You have to be a strategic shopper. And I bet you many American families now that never clip coupons are doing it. They're looking at the flyers each week and finding where the sales are. You have to be that kind of a strategic shopper now. So, uh, again, leftist, woke, climate activists, uh, which uh, any of these uh, proposals or dictates are not going to change the Earth's climate a uh, degree. It's not. Especially when you have countries like China and India that don't do net zero. We're all in the same swimming pool, right? Uh, just because you're not peeing doesn't mean other people aren't. Uh so you, it either has to be a global thing, uh, which it'll never never will be, uh, or it makes no sense. But meanwhile, the United States leading the way with all these initiatives, all these things that are going to be a tax on you and your family in the form of inflation, higher food costs. We're seeing higher costs for, for, for cars now because of emission controls and now pushing on the electric vehicles. Um, I don't know if this is ever going to go away or these climate activists are just going to keep going and going and going. Uh, but it's time for us to say enough, really. The average American family is going to see an $1,800 a year increase in their food costs because of climate initiatives when they could barely put food on a table as it is. It's just outrageous. You know, I mentioned earlier that... Um, Retail sales were down pretty significantly in January as the consumer is up against the wall due to inflation, high credit card debt, so far. But right now, uh, buy now, pay later plans are becoming increasingly popular because people don't have the money. And it's just another sign of consumer credit stress. They use the acronym uh, BNPL. What is buy now, pay later? It's the same thing as using a credit card. Because all you're doing is borrowing the money now. You still got to pay it back. But many people are doing it because they're so financially fragile. And uh, this is true of many uh, subprime people. People who have a credit score below 620. Uh, maybe they've been declined credit cards or credit in any way, so they're uh, having to use these buy now, pay later. Now, you could do that now at Walmart. They have a plan there, too. Now, I'm sure, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that there's an interest rate involved here, and uh, which makes the product that you're buying much more costly. Even uh, financially stable people uh, have been using buy now, pay later. 68% of financially stable BNPL users have taken advantage of the product at least twice in the past year, with 23% uh, having used it five or more times. So obviously, uh, people who are financially unstable are more, more likely to do this, to get by. I feel so bad for people. I feel so bad for families struggling uh, to get by in this economy. Thank you, Joe Biden and Bidenomics. Really working. Now, you, you know, you always hear that um, when a presidential election comes around, people vote with their wallets. Uh, 
And that simply means that uh, what's more important to anybody but feeding your children, right? Keeping a roof over your head. Uh, most people don't care about woke policies, LGBTQ stuff, climate initiatives, uh, $60 billion for Ukraine. People don't care about that stuff when they're struggling to put food on the table. That's the number one issue for most American families. And on that issue, Biden is failing miserably, and, and that's why his poll numbers are so poor. Uh, how can it be? How can people approve of a president who ushered in the greatest inflation we've had since Jimmy Carter? And uh, that's why uh, he will be trounced by Donald Trump or anybody else who's running against him this November, if he's the candidate. Which I'm, I would bet uh, quite a sum of money that he won't be. I saw some pundits this week talking about it, saying there's no way they could change right now. That uh, it's too late in the, in the cycle. Uh, they can't do that. I, I disagree wholeheartedly. And I believe there's a plan in place already. And you're having uh, more and more left-wing publications calling for his replacement. Just this week, The Atlantic, as far left liberal as you can get, is saying they have to re- we have to replace Joe now. That he's such damaged goods after the special uh, counsel's report about his mental health. Oh, by the way, he's, g- he's going to have a physical, I think, this week. Uh, no cognitive test, though. No need for a cognitive test. Ah, his doctor says he don't need it. Are you kidding me? It should be required uh, of every president regardless of age, as part of their annual physical uh, competency test, especially when it's obvious by your public behavior uh, that you have memory issues. Uh, The special counsel put it in his report. uh, And, uh, of course, that was gratuitous. He didn't need to do that. But uh, anyway, he's going to be on uh, Capitol Hill soon uh, in a public hearing. Uh, I can't wait to see that hearing. Boy, the Democrats are going to be all over him. And the Republicans are going to be asking him question after question after question about Biden's mental health. And the Democrats will be asking him, are you a doctor? No, I'm not a doctor, but I know when I'm talking to a feeble old man who doesn't remember when his son died or when he was vice president. I don't need a PhD or a medical degree uh, to know that. And most of us know that already, just by seeing him in the clips we see on TV. Imagine if the times that we don't see him, which is most of the time he's has a lid, or some days he has nothing on his schedule. Imagine what he's like at home. And Jill knows that. And still, still she runs him for a second term. What is it with this woman? Is she just power hungry? Is she being blackmailed or uh, paid off? I don't know. Ladies, listening to me, older women, would you allow your husband with his condition to be put on a public stage every day to be embarrassed and humiliated? It's elder abuse at the highest level. I don't think there's one person listening to me now that has an, uh, an elderly husband 
with memory issues would ever put him on the public stage like that, the world stage like that. With all the gaps, the falling down, going up the, the steps of the plane, the, the roaming around the stage uh, totally lost after a, a two-minute teleprompted speech that, were, that was mostly garbled. With a man who's shaking hands with uh, this mysterious air creature. Uh, and we can go on and on. But yet she, she's fully behind him running. Uh, I think she's the biggest villain of all in this whole saga. I mentioned earlier about uh, inflation coming in hotter than expected. Still only 3.1%, according to the government, year over year. You know how I feel about government statistics. Don't believe any of them. They're a lot worse. And even when they come out with worse than expected, trust me, it's much, much worse than expected than they said. Uh, so they're even fudging them when they come out bad to make them look less bad. And at one point during the, the day after that CPI was announced, uh, the stock market with Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 700 points. It closed down 524 points. And uh, it was the worst trading day in 11 months. And... Um, the Dow was erased almost half its gains in 2024, just in a short amount of time. Another thing that's very troublesome in response to this inflation, um, again, you have to understand what this all means. If inflation remains hot and it starts going the other way, the Federal Reserve can't lower interest rates, which means interest rates stay high longer. It means mortgage rates stay high longer. It means companies issuing bonds have to pay higher interest on them. It means commercial real estate loans, where a trillion dollars worth of them are going to be maturing in the next two years and have to be refinanced. How is that going to happen, especially when collateral has fallen so much? Uh, it's very, very bad for the economy. And we mentioned earlier the, the consumers pulling back its spending. We have record high credit card debt, record high credit card interest rates, go try to buy a car and get a car loan, look at those interest rates. But it's very troubling looking at the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond. In October, it was, the yield went down to 3.45% at the low. It's up to 4.3% right now. And moving aggressively higher. Because again, what happens? If, if interest rates drop, bond prices go up and yields drop. If the market believes that, the Fed's not going to lower interest rates. It may even raise them if inflation continues to get hot. Uh, it's terrible for bonds and yields go up, prices go down. And the real problem with treasury bonds is the treasury bond yield affects other interest rates, namely mortgages. A 30-year fixed mortgage uh, goes up in interest with the yield on a 10-year, and it goes down in interest with a drop in the 10-year yield. Now, we had a, a, a blistering rally, one of the biggest rallies in the stock market in such a short amount of time that I recall in my career uh, between uh, early November and, uh, let's say, last week. But has it topped out? I think it has, especially when we see uh, numbers coming out that are not friendly uh, to interest rates. 
like a rising uh, CPI and a rising PPI, producer price index, and rising yields in the bond market. All, all very negative for the stock market. And like I said, if the stock market went up, and went up in a big way in anticipation of the Fed lowering interest rates as early as March, and that's taken off the table because of inflation figures, uh, what does that mean for the market? It means the opposite, right? The reason for the market to have gone up, what is it, 20% in like three months, is no longer a valid reason. And that's a good reason for investors to take profits. And I think that's what we're going to see in the next few months. I think we're going to see um, a negative stock market. But I tell you, I've been totally wrong in the stock market. The market is its own animal. Uh, You know, 40 years in this business um, of analyzing markets and being a broker and all that and managing money for clients, uh, I've never seen the market uh, trade the way it does based on numbers that would have hurt the market very badly in the past. Think about it. We're at the highest interest rates we've been in for almost 20 years. And the market hit a record high last week. How do you justify that? Right? We have a, a terrible economy. Bidenomics is not working. We have bad inflation. We have ge- geopolitical instability. We have domestic political instability. And the market goes up. That would not have happened, trust me on this, in the past you would have a dreadful bear market. And I still think we're going to. Especially when it becomes uh, obvious that the economy is going into inflation, uh, going into recession, I should say. And there's a higher likelihood that the economy will go into recession if the Fed does not lower interest rates. And uh, it doesn't look like they're going to. And I don't see why they would. Unless you see the economy in a major, major downturn, an official recession, where you start seeing layoffs and unemployment growing significantly. Now, they're not going to announce those kind of numbers in an election year. So you're not going to see those numbers. I don't think you are. It certainly wouldn't be good for the current president if the economy goes into recession this year. If uh, millions of people are losing their jobs, and every day we hear more of corporate layoffs. That's why the uh, last month's job report was so bogus. And everybody knew it was bogus. You had major corporations across the United States laying off tens of thousands of people. And uh, the U.S. uh, created hundreds of thousands of jobs. Yeah, if you believe that one. Uh, I got a bridge to sell you. So in August, September, and October, we had a a pretty big downturn in the market. Uh, People were very concerned that we were going to go into a long-term bear market at that time. Then uh, it looked like the Fed was going to uh, lower interest rates in March and maybe again in June. Uh, The market rallied. uh, And now we're at what I think is going to be the top, at least for a while. And if you had a lot of money in the market, you would get nervous in um, October when you were down almost 20% from the high in July. Uh, I would use this rally as a way to pair your risk. Uh, Cut back some of that uh, stock market exposure and become a little bit more conservative because this is an election year, people. It's going to be the election from hell. We all know that. We also have the risk of a a black swan event or a headline that's going to come out of nowhere. 
uh, we uh, what would happen? Like I said, if uh, I said this at my uh, my forecast show in January, what do you think the market would do if we get up tomorrow morning and we find out that a U.S. battleship has been sunk in the Red Sea or in the Mediterranean? Believe me, our enemies have the capability to do that. Iran. All you got to do is uh, send 50 drones at one time. Uh, armed drones. They're like bombs. They would just crash right into the ship. You can only shoot down so many as they're all coming in at the same time. I read a very disturbing article about the abilities uh, of our enemies to take down our ships if they wanted to. Now, obviously, there'd be a major response by the United States, I would think. Although, who knows with this president. But the market would crash. Oil prices would go over $100 a barrel immediately. Interest rates would skyrocket. It would be uh, gold prices go up $500 an ounce. I, I wouldn't want to have the risk of waking up one morning and seeing that happen. And I think the risk is pretty damn high. We also had this uh, very curious thing that came out of uh, uh, the mouth of Senator um, Mike Turner, who is um, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And apparently uh, the United States... Uh, has uh, received highly sensitive intelligence about Russian anti-satellite weapons and that uh, they haven't really explained it at all. Um, And he didn't say what it was. He just came out and said that there is a a significant national security threat uh, from a foreign country uh, and it could be quite destabilizing to the United States. And again, he gave, he gave no details about the nature of the threat, and he caused a lot of panic in Washington. And boy, the Biden administration was pissed off. Uh, they didn't want this out. And it's curious the reason, you know, why he did it then, because the, the next day he was going to meet uh, with uh, the National Security Advisor on this. Uh, and I don't know what, you know, what he got out of coming out early and just throwing this out there without telling us what it is. And then he urged uh, President Biden to declassify information about what he called a national security threat, a serious one. So uh, after a couple of days of that, uh, uh, apparently people in the know are saying this has to do with space weapons, that the Russians have developed some kind of space weapon uh, that could either um, do something to the United States directly or uh, disable or destroy our satellites which would basically blind us militarily, communications, and everything else. Now, uh, another member of that committee came out thereafter and said, "Uh, no need to panic. There's no immediate threat here. This is more of a medium and a long-range issue. But Mike Turner, who was briefed on it, uh, seemed pretty disturbed by it. Uh, And I just bring this up because I'm telling you, all the risks out there, uh, this is not a normal investing environment. This year, between the election here, uh, what's going on in the Middle East, in Ukraine, uh, 
And now information like this, uh, it is a very, very risky world we live in right now. Not to mention um, the craziness and the domestic political environment that we're living in here in the United States. Very dangerous. All right, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about this crazy court uh, situation in Georgia where District Attorney Fannie Willis uh, basically was the worst witness ever. Uh, and and this, this was compelling stuff uh, in the Georgia courtroom. So we're going to play some of the audio of uh, the testimony in that court uh, on the other side of the break. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, market trade you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. AFM Investments' Lou Skatigna has been serving Ocean County for over 35 years. AFM Investments brings a level of expertise, knowledge, and experience to the Jersey Shore that you would typically have to pursue with a premier investment firm on Wall Street. Whether you need income tax preparation or financial planning, he has the experience to help you with whatever your needs are. For more information, log on to AFMinvestments.net. Back to this thing of ours we call the Financial Physician Podcast, where we talk money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your life and anything I want to talk about. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing the podcast with friends and family. Really do appreciate that. Want to get in touch with me? My email is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, this week, uh, there was two trials or two hearings at trials regarding Trump, one in New York regarding his... uh, alleged uh, misvaluing some of his properties, namely Mar-a-Lago, to get loans that he paid back. Uh, nobody was harmed uh, by Alvin Bragg, uh, just a frivolous lawsuit. Uh, and then we have the lawsuit in Georgia where Atlanta District Attorney Fannie Willis uh, and her uh, lead prosecutor, Nathan Wade, uh, allegedly had an affair uh, uh, for I don't know, three years or something like that. And he was going through a divorce and he lied about it in his divorce trial that he wasn't with her prior to the 
a certain date. I don't know what it is. Uh, but apparently these two have been in cahoots and uh, they're trying to find out uh, if there's uh, some kind of uh, disqualification here for uh, improper behavior between these two. And it's, it's alleged that they were lovers. She hired him under a big salary and then he took her on vacations, uh, sort of like a kickback. And both he was on the stand, and uh, boy, he was sweating bullets. Uh, and uh, he basically admitted that he lied on the interrogatory in his divorce and uh, with the affidavit to this court. Uh, and it wasn't sure if she, Fannie Willis, the district attorney in the case, was going to um, take the stand. But she did take the stand. And when she took the stand, she was hostile. She was defiant. She was arrogant. And from what legal scholars say uh, is that if it was anybody else, uh, a judge would have, uh, you know, reined her in right away. Uh, But this judge did not do that. So uh, the deal is that she financially benefited from this romantic relationship with top Trump prosecutor Nathan Wade. So the Trump people and the other people named in this lawsuit with Trump are trying to have her thrown off the case. Now, uh, I'm going to play a little bit of uh, her testimony. Um, I don't want to play a lot of it. uh, But what she what she's saying here is that, um, yeah, Wade paid for all these vacations with his credit card, but she paid him back and she paid him back in cash. So there's no paper trail to this. Uh, And uh, she goes on and it just she starts rambling about. She doesn't really like wine. She likes Grey Goose. So we, when they were in a, well, listen. Much less cash that time, probably four or $500. And then I paid for uh, a bunch of stuff. I think we did two different wine tours that you do, which are pretty expensive. Um, I think I bought him. He likes wine. I don't really like wine, to be honest with you. I like Grey Goose. Um, I bought him a bottle of wine while we were there and the sippings that you do. I I can't remember how like four or five different places you go. I remember we went to to this place that they do pairings. Um, That was the most expensive thing that I think that we did while we were there. So they would pair, uh, they they would pair uh, champagne, chocolate, and champagne, chocolate, and caviar. It was a three, and it was like three different things. Sweden, Russia, someplace else. I'll make that up. But um, that that was the most expensive thing we did that trip, and I paid for I paid for that. You pay cash for us doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I... I like Grey Goose, too. It's one of my favorite vodkas. Uh, but what she's trying to do in this segment here is basically say that now he, he did, I paid for things too. So it's, it was an even thing, but everything she paid for, she always used cash. Uh, and that's, so nothing could be traced. There's no proof. How do you prove that you gave him the cash? Now she goes on to talk about keeping a lot of cash in her house, which I think is insane, but listen to what she says about what a father taught her to do. So he would probably be uh, ashamed with me, but I always have cash at the house. Money, $3,000. I don't keep cash as good in my purse like I used to. So she just told the world uh, that she keeps a lot of cash in her house. (laughs) Uh, These people aren't the smartest people. That's the one thing you learn about uh, uh, governance in these blue cities. Uh, You don't have the, the smartest people in these positions, whether it's DA, mayor, prosecutor, uh, they're not the sharpest hack. 
a lot of it has to do with uh, nepotism and who you know. Uh, but uh, I, I think the D in DEI stands for dumb. Uh, because between her uh, and Nathan Wade uh, and their testimony, you can tell they're not the sharpest tack. So her uh, father taught her to keep a lot of cash. Six months cash, she said. Uh, and that's the way she reimbursed him for everything. So now she's being asked about uh, these cruises that they went on. Uh, who paid for it and and, uh, and so forth. So she's basically saying that, well, he, 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 he put it on his credit card and I reimbursed him. So, and I'll get to the reimbursements and all that. I'm just trying to confirm he paid for the flight and the cruise in October. And I think that when you say things that way, I want this record to Initial. be abundantly clear that he calls his travel agent, he calls his cruise agent. They do whatever he tells them. He's like on a first name basis with these people. They do it. And then he tells me how much it is, and I give him the money back. I don't, just like you're asking me about the money with Robin, I don't do my friends like that. So if you tell me it's a G, then you're going to get $1,000. Whatever it is, I didn't ever make him produce receipts to me. Whatever he told me it was, I gave him the money back. Isn't it true that he paid for the cruise and the, um, the flight on his credit card? I'm not asking about reimbursement or after. He used his credit card to buy the cruise and buy the flight, correct? I have no idea how he paid for it, okay. uh, if it's a credit card, if it's a debit card. But certainly he called his uh, cruise agent. You know, like how many people have a cruise agent? He calls his cruise agent, tells them where they want to go. They tell him what's booked. So now she tells the story about uh, her father telling her as a little girl that she should keep six months living expenses in cash in the house. Now, you should have six months living expenses put away in an emergency fund. Uh, I'm not so sure you should keep that in the house. When you meet my father, he's going to tell you as a woman, you should always have, which I don't have, so let's don't tell him that. You should have at least six months in cash at your house at all times. Now, I don't know why this old black man feels like that, but he does. When we were growing up, my daddy had three safes in the house. So my father's bought me a lockbox, and I always keep cash in the house. Now, I don't do it to the degree that my father would do it, so he would probably be uh, ashamed with me, but I always have cash at the house. That has been, I don't know, all my life. If you're a woman and you go on a date with a man, you better have $200 in your pocket. So if that man acts up, you can go where you want to go. So I keep cash in my house. And I don't keep cash as good in my purse like I used to because um, I don't go on many dates. But when you go on a date, you should have cash in your pocket. Fanny, why don't you just uh, give everybody your address so they know where to go? And why don't you give your, your, your dad's address out as well? He's got three safes in his house. And now everybody knows that. So then she's asked about uh, where did the cash come from? Obviously, it got into your safe, but what's the source of the funds? When did the money go in there? What I am trying to tell you is, so I got divorced in 2005 from my husband. And, and I, no, 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 it's important. You said, where did the money come from? And I need to tell you where the money came from. And so for many, many years, I have kept money in my house. That money in my worst days has probably only been 500 or $1,000. At my best days, I probably had $15,000 in my house at cash. At all times, there's going to be cash in my house. Just remember, at all times, there's going to be cash in her house. So actually, I should have played the next clip first. This is um, Wade, uh, who was the first one on the stand. 
Uh, and he's sweating bullets uh, because they're asking him really pointed questions about his relationship with her when it took place and whatnot. And he's trying to mince words and you can tell he's sweating. And um, I mean, they're facing perjury charges here. I mean, if they lied that they weren't together in a court document and they really were, they also had an earlier witness was, which was her like best friend that uh, at the times that said, no, they were together in 19. They were kissing and everything. I, I, I've seen them. So they said that it started, I don't know what they, 20, late 22 or early 23. Uh, that's not true. So right there to court in the lie. Uh, and now with uh, all this credit card stuff and reimbursement in cash, uh, it, it's really starting to fall apart for her. And it, there's no question that there's an inappropriate relationship with them. He was hired on this case for a lot of money. And he was essentially or allegedly kicking back. Uh so uh, they're both going to be thrown off this case. Uh, even the press knows that, the liberal press. It's uh, uh, Jonathan Turley was on, Andrew McCarthy. Uh, they were all saying this was a, it's a bad day for uh, Democrats and um, uh, the liberal media in America. So let's listen to a little bit of uh, Wade's testimony. So the, the charges that are on your card, she gave you cash for? She did. Okay. So all of the charges... Excuse me, Donna, I believe the witness has finished answering the question. Oh, did you have more? I did. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to get into the, the charges on the, the, the car because, so, traveling with her um, is, is, a, is a task. You can probably imagine the attention that, that happens. So, for safety reasons, um, she would limit her transactions um i mean imagine trying to walk through an airport or sit at a restaurant or do anything um so there was no there's no attempt to conceal it's a credit card everything is here so and and that's not what i asked okay um what i asked was the charges for Belize in March 2023 on that credit card. Those are things you purchased to go with Miss Wait with Miss Willis to Belize. Those are those are things that we booked with my card that yes. she paid. Yes. Yes. I mean, who does he think she is? Taylor Swift. <laughs> but what's uh, limiting your transactions uh, have to do with who you are, and what's that have to do with purchasing a cruise uh, or a trip uh, on a credit card? It makes no sense. And again, that wasn't what she asked him. So uh, if you watch the video, he, he's sweating bullets. He knows that, you know, both of them are caught in a lie uh, and uh, maybe even perjury. Uh, and uh, they're going to be off, off this case soon. Now, uh, if you listen to some of the, the media, uh, it's pretty hilarious uh, there. Let's listen to uh, MSNBC. Uh, uh, you could tell if you watch them during the day that it, it, it was a funeral day for them. Uh, they weren't really happy, uh, but they had to state the obvious. This is the legal panel uh, on MSNBC. It's it's so legalistic centric and yet so important and fascinating. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think. Uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court. It's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to to the court. It's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. 
when uh, the legal panel on MSNBC talks like that, you know it's over. Now, um, MSNBC's legal panel was pretty blunt there, weren't they? Uh, but if you think that that's blunt, listen to Mike Davis, the founder of the Article 3 Project. He was on Steve Bannon's uh, War Room, uh, I think it was Thursday night, and he comment, commented on uh, her testimony. You had to sit through... Let me, I got to ask you this, okay? Because she made her decision, I heard at the last minute, to testify. I would respectfully submit she did not do a lot of prep. Is that how you would say it legally? I would imagine that the attorneys in the Fulton County DA's office were probably stunned when she went out there angrily and decided she was going to go light herself on fire in the courtroom today. That was the worst testimony I think I've ever seen from anyone in any court proceeding ever. Uh, she walked. Hold, she, it, hold she, it. Hold it. Stop. Hang on. Hang on. Stop. Stop. I want to hit the rewind of this. Cause I know that you already seen it. Is it because I'm not a lawyer. Our audience are not lawyers. Explain that because it looked so insane. Uh, and I couldn't believe she's a prosecutor. It looks so insane. Is that the absolute worst you've ever seen in your entire life? By, by far the worst lawyer, non-lawyer, e- even mentally incompetent. I, I think mentally, I think a, a homeless man with a knife going into court for a competency, competency hearing would be more sane than what Fannie Willis did today in court. She set up her own perjury trap and walked into it. She is the dumbest prosecutor I've ever seen in all my time as a lawyer. And this woman... Uh, we went uh, kind of long on that segment, and and the reason I did is, I want you to know that this moron, this this dumb woman, and her paramour, uh, as dumb as her, she's prosecuting the former president and likely next president of the United States, and that's what's happening in all these Democrat-run cities. You have Alvin Bragg and Letitia James in New York, uh, same type of people, dumb in a blue city. You have um, uh, uh, you have her in Georgia, Trump hating uh, special prosecutor Jack Smith going after him on the the documents case. Uh, it's it's just so obvious to everybody that this is just legal system out of control. And what's to stop it in the future? I mean, every time the Democrats don't like who the candidate is, they're going to try to press charges against them in liberal states. It's out of control. And that's the reason I went so long on that on that piece. All right, in an explosive development uh, this past Tuesday night, uh, sources close to uh, a high-profile investigation have revealed that the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago was specifically aimed at recovering a missing top-secret binder. This document is rumored to contain damning evidence of former President Barack Obama's CIA's involvement in initiating the Russia collusion narrative against President Trump. Uh, Now, Jesse Waters has been all over this this week. Uh, He discussed these uh, details on his show, citing uh, reporting by investigative journalists Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi. And uh, so what they're basically saying is that this raid on Mar-a-Lago was to try to recover this document. And uh, Trump declassified it on January 19, 2021, a day before he left office. And apparently it contains hundreds of pages about the Crossfire Hurricane scandal. It contains damaging information about the corrupt actors involved with our government. 
Two different DOJ attorney generals have defied President Trump's direct lawful order to publish the binder in the Federal Register. It's been 19 months as the DOJ defies the order and every FOIA request to make it public. So could we uh, now raid the homes of uh, Merrick Garland, maybe? How does the DOJ, when ordered by that sitting president to release a document, not do it? It just goes to tell you, uh, show you that there's stuff in that document uh, that's damning. So apparently uh, the CIA uh, employed the help of the Five Eyes intelligence agencies. That's the name of the, the intelligence agency for Great Britain, Australia, Western governments, to spy on 26 associates of Donald Trump. And this is in 2016. This is the first election. And that started the whole Russian collusion narrative that went on for years. And uh, that's this is beyond this. This these Democrats, Obama and Biden, they got I mean, this is treasonous stuff. I mean, this is really, really bad stuff that you never think that your government would ever do. It's illegal to spy on American citizens without a warrant. And this happened before the FISA warrants were issued. And they don't want this to come out. And I don't know if Trump had it or if he had it where they found it. Now, I would think Trump is smart enough to have multiple copies of that. And we'll see what goes with this. Uh, the mainstream media doesn't care about this at all. The only one reporting on it is Jesse Waters, uh, which tells you a lot. All right. We're uh, increasingly living in not only a police state, but a surveillance state. And the world is starting to look a lot like 1984, the book by George Orwell that came out, I think, 1947. And if you haven't read the book, you should. And if you read it a long time ago when you were in school, maybe it's time to read it again. There's also a movie out called 1984. You can watch that if you don't want to read it. But 1984 portrays a global society of total control. And people are not allowed to have thoughts that in any way disagree with the corporate state. There's no personal freedom. Uh, advanced technology uh, is watching everybody. Snitches and cameras are everywhere, including your TV, watching you, even in your own house, recording you. Boy, uh, don't we have that now? There's rumors that your TV could actually record you. And how about Alexa? listening to everything you're saying. We have that now. So people are subject to the thought police and, uh, and the government is the party headed by Big Brother who appears on posters everywhere with the words Big Brother is watching you. Well, Big Brother is watching us. And uh, for security, efficiency, you know, you're seeing all this technology being employed. And uh, why are they watching us? We're being monitored, managed. We're being controlled by our technology. Um, And now people are being uh, removed from platforms like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter for things they think, things they say, regardless if it's true. But if it's against the narrative of the state, you're gone. 
And you know it's happened to me. I am banned for life for YouTube without any explanation, any right of appeal. Every one of my videos that I've, I, I've done over 10 years are gone, including personal videos, vacations, that I thought were safe on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Just shut off. And I suspect it had to do with my views on uh, the election in 2020 and the vaccine, which we'll talk about in just a second. So technology now has put us in a state of surveillance. We see surveillance cameras on utility poles, traffic lights, almost every business at home now, ring doorbells, right? GPS devices, dash cameras, drones, store security cameras. Geo-tracking, you know what that is? They look at your GPS on your phone. They know where you are all the time. It's almost impossible to get away with a crime these days because they'll find you. They'll ping your cell phone. They'll look at uh, ATM withdrawals in the system, uh, credit card use. Now they have facial recognition technology. You know, when you go into an airport, facial recognition is being employed. You're being recorded and photographed. Um, it's just unbelievable. And they say that uh, you are surveilled. Uh, there's, there's, there's reported 51 million surveillance cameras in the United States. And it's estimated that Americans are caught on camera an average of 238 times every week. 160 times per week when you're driving. 40 times per week at work. 24 times per week while running errands and shopping. And 14 times per week through various other channels and activities. And that doesn't even touch on the coverage of surveillance drones flying everywhere. So this is, this is a bad thing. I don't like being monitored. Also, how about um, internet? Every, everywhere you go on the internet, unless you have a VPN, they could track you based on your IP address. They could see your history. They could blackmail you for websites that you go to. They could find out who your political leanings are. Do you go to a MAGA uh, website? Do you follow certain conservative politicians and commentators? Do you listen to this show? That'll get you in trouble. So uh, this is a revolution. And, and now to protect ourselves, we all have these ring doorbell cameras. Sees everything outside your house. Now, law enforcement is increasingly requesting uh, that video when a crime is committed in a neighborhood. And I guess that's good. I guess that's good. But do you know that Ring and, and uh, Amazon's uh, Nest, they've partnered with police. And uh, for many, many people, they're being provided free ring doorbells in certain cities as long as you'll share the video with the police department. But that's uh, surveillance without a warrant. That's what this is. And it's getting uh, deeper and deeper, bigger and bigger. You walk into a airport and they will know exactly who you are if they want to. By just looking at your face, there's a record of every one of us who walked through an airport. 
and you haven't been able to sign off on it, consent to it, or even know about it. Biometrics, they call it, right? And uh, I don't like being looked at all the time. I don't like being surveilled. Because it's a pretty good bet that uh, the surveillance state we live in is going to be keeping a close watch on anyone uh, that is seen as a threat to the government's chokehold on power. And if you're uh, uh, not in line with Big Brother, you're going to pay the consequences. So just keep that in mind. (laughs) Anytime you go anywhere, drive anywhere, uh, go on the Internet, somebody, Big Brother, is watching you. Now, on my uh, 2024 forecast show uh, in the first week in January, I said that the revelations about COVID-19, the rushed vaccine, the experimental vaccine, uh, the cover-up of uh, uh, of vaccine injury, the cover-up of the trials and the problems that were ha- people were having with heart attacks and things like that, all covered up, rushed to market and forced into people's arms against their will because they'd lose their jobs, mandates, and all kinds of industries, the military. And now people are regretting it. Uh, many people uh, have heart problems or having strokes. You've never seen so many people die suddenly at all different ages. And uh, that's all the result of this vaccine. And more and more is going to come out. And Fauci, this guy, he's a, he's a war criminal, I guess you would call him. Because this is a bioweapon. The virus is a bioweapon. The vaccine is a bioweapon. Saying things like this is, I think, guess what got me thrown off of YouTube. And uh, I've never been vaxxed. I, anybody listened to this show back in 2020, I told you, you know, it's up to you, but this is a very uh, rushed experimental vaccine. It changes your DNA. And they don't know what the long-term results of this is going to be. And now we're starting to know. So there was a hearing this week in uh, Congress. It was about uh, compensation to people who have been injured uh, by the vaccine. And Marjorie Taylor Greene um, didn't question any of the people on the panel, uh, which is the people who had this uh, part of government that awards these uh, compensation. Uh, she spoke the whole time. And she called them out. And she said that people aren't getting compensated. Take a listen. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm not a doctor, but I have a PhD in recognizing bullshit when I hear it. I'd like to point out to everyone that we knew early on, as a matter of fact, everyone knew early on, that the people that were at risk of hospitalization and dying of COVID were those that were obese, had diabetes, were over the age of 65. We also knew that children were at no risk, practically zero risk of being hospitalized or deaths from COVID-19. We knew that young people, healthy young people were not at risk. However, Dr. Marks, you rushed through this process of of authorizing these vaccines, even though you knew the side effects, you knew about myocarditis, and you knew about the studies. So let's be very real about the situation that we have. So this guy, Dr. Marks, um, who's obviously uh, very involved in the rushing of the vaccines. Here we have, let's talk about the reports on VAERS. Some people in here are trying to belittle these reports, but these reports come from people, people that died, 
people that got injured. And in December, in the middle of December, I think it was the 10th or the 11th, the first vaccine was approved. It was authorized under emergency use. Boom, 10,596 reports in less than a month. 2021, 706,767 reports on VAERS for vaccine injuries and deaths. 2022, it, it was 206,676. 2023, and it went going down because the mandates stopped. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the vaccines. Here we have reports, deaths, 18,372. Permanent disability, 17,842. Hospitalizations, 86,452. Emergency room or office visits, 315,048. Serious adverse events, 113,449. This is from the Congressional Research Service about VAERS. All, all kinds of injuries, miscarriages, heart attacks, myocarditis, permanent disability, neurological problems, and it goes on and on and on. These are the reports from people being forced to take vaccines. Shouldn't have happened. Mr. Grimes, I've just told you the numbers of reports. However, under CICP, there are only 10,640 of these COVID-19 claims are currently pending or are in review. And as of January 1st, 2024, CICP only compensated 11 of the 40. Oh, wait, let's, let's make that number clear to everyone. Only 11 people have been con compensated. Only 11, only 11 people have been compensated. Out of the 40 COVID-19 claims it determined were eligible, only 40 were determined eligible. That is amazing. And the average award was only about $3,700. On the other hand, the average VICP payout over the last 35 years is approximately $490,000. If, if you die or get injured from a COVID-19 vaccine, your average payout's $3,700. I'd like to recognize someone in the room today is here, Brianne Dressen. She's met with you, Dr. Marks. She's met privately with you about her vaccine injuries. She participated in a clinical trial. She was injured, and then she was dropped from the trial for the COVID-19 vaccines. Her medical expenses are $433,000 a year. She filed with CICP. Mr. Grimes, she's gotten no response. She's right here. Could you raise your hand, Ms. Dressen, please? Thank you. Perhaps you could meet with her after this meeting. Dr. Marks, you admitted to her that uh, vaccine injuries are real, that they're real. Although you rushed through the authorization, and now you've authorized that children should receive these vaccines, and even babies as young as six months old. That is shameful. That's shameful. I'm not asking you a question. I'm going to continue speaking. Thank you. This is my time. The National Institute of Health uh, also saw Ms. Dressen uh, for her neurological complications that have been quite severe. They studied her, and then they dropped the study and asked her to be quiet about it. These are the real stories of va the vaccine injured. They were, they were totally uh, 
completely wiped off of social media. There's been thousands of peer-reviewed medical studies, thousands of them studying vaccine injuries. They are real. People are dying. People are having heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, and many other countries are dropping the COVID-19 vaccine and saying we shouldn't give them to children. VAERS, uh, VAERS if you, you don't know, is the, the website that the government runs to report vaccine injuries or adverse effects. Now, it's underreported. You know that. Uh, it's many, many more than she just said the numbers. And uh, that's just in the United States. What about the rest of the world? So now scientists uh, are, are calling for a global moratorium on mRNA vaccines, as well as the immediate removal from childhood vaccine schedules. This is the first ever peer-reviewed study of its kind. It's published in the medical journal uh, Curious, and the study found the following about the COVID mRNA vaccines. Number one, they rushed it to market. Well, we all know that. Um, It wasn't approved by the FDA. It was only approved for emergency use authorization. Researchers uh, underestimated the adverse reactions, including death. I would say that's an adverse reaction. Researchers overestimated the effectiveness. How many people got the shots and the boosters and kept getting COVID? Researchers didn't appropriately test for toxicity and manufacturing imperfections. Uh, Serious adverse reactions were well documented but ignored. The authors say that uh, reanalyzed data from the vaccine makers' trials and high rates of serious post-injection injuries indicate the mRNA gene therapy vaccine should not have been authorized for use. There you go. It should not have ever been authorized. And billions of people around the world have taken this junk. I saw an expert recently said that he estimates that 7 million people around the world have died as a result of the vaccine. No, not the virus, the vaccine. And I'll tell you, I said it a couple of weeks ago, the Pfizer's going to disappear. That company is going to go bankrupt. The lawsuits that are coming their way and uh, hopefully the criminal charges against the likes of Anthony Fauci, uh, we're going to see a lot of that. But this is just the beginning. I'm telling you, a lot more stuff is going to come out on this vaccine. And there's no doubt that this was not safe and was not effective. And I thank the Lord every day that I didn't take it. But I, I, I'm self-employed. I wasn't mandated to take it. If my career was on the line, uh, I don't know what I would have done. And many people were forced to take that, and now we're paying the price. All right, let's finish up the show with uh, the, the woke craziness uh, that we're dealing with both here and abroad. Uh, I've got a pile of articles here. I could just keep going. It's so insane. Um, article number one, headline, Seattle English students told it's white supremacy to love reading and writing. That's right. Students in a Seattle English class were told that their love of reading and writing is characteristic of white supremacy in the latest Seattle public school high school controversy. The lesson plan has one local father's father speaking out, calling it educational malpractice. 
As part of the Black Lives Matter at school week, world literature and composition students at Lincoln High School were given a handout with definitions of the nine characteristics of white supremacy. Given the subject matter of the class, the father found it odd this particular uh, lesson was brought up. The Seattle high schoolers were told that worship of the written word is white supremacy because it is an erasure of the wide range of ways we communicate with each other. By this definition, the very subject of world literature and composition is racist. Could you believe this? And uh, I feel bad for any of these students that really internalize this stuff and really believe it. It just sets them up for failure. Reading and writing is racist. White supremacist. Can't make this stuff up. How about this one? University of California, San Francisco is under fire this week after hosting a racist speaker who attacked white people as psychopaths and claimed that black women can be legally raped. (laughs) I'm going to play. I I, I wasn't going to play. I'm going to play a clip of this. The uh, person's name is Dante King. Paths. And their behavior represents an underlying biologically transmitted proclivity with roots deep in their evolutionary history. How, can, how many of you could see the proclivity that evolved deep within the evolutionary history of whiteness by show of hands? How many of you could see it? Some people are sitting here. Oh, no, I don't want to raise my hand. That's called denial. There's no discussion about the delusion and the perversion of whiteness. Say this with me. Rape culture in America is a legal, economic, and moral institution. So we're going to, we have it written in the law, you can rape black women. But we've never been a racist country. This goes beyond gaslighting, and it's rooted in psychological delusion. And I'm not seeking agreement from white people at all. I don't prioritize whiteness or white people in my work in that way. So turn to your neighbor and say, as much as we want to talk about how bad anti-blackness is, it is the foundation of all American, all white American institutions. Imagine if white people talked about blacks like this on campus, what the uh, result would be, what the uproar. Unbelievable. A new curriculum being considered at a North Carolina police academy will teach cops in training that there are 68 different terms for gender identity. Oh, God. Now law enforcement training, they're doing this. Remember I told you, I think it was last week, that some police department in El Paso, Texas, you can't address a perp uh, unless you find out what their pronouns are first. <laughs> it's insane. Citizens looking to become police officers in the state of North Carolina will have to undergo, undergo training that instructs them to use gender-neutral terminology when speaking with the public and learn from an article on gender identity. Oh, God. This is just crazy. Uh, most Americans would just be happy if the police went back to doing their jobs and Arresting the bad guys and keeping them in jail. All right, what do we got here? Uh, Colorado Democrats, Colorado, 
Democrats have introduced legislation that would mandate schools socially transition students who question their gender identity. The bill introduced in January will force public school and charter school teachers and staff to use the student's preferred name and pronouns. The legislation states that a school's refusal to respect a student's request to use a preferred name is discriminatory. According to the bill's text, a child's chosen name is a form of gender expression, and a school must respect that. A task force within the state's Department of Education will be created to provide recommendations to school districts on implementing non-legal name changes for students. Uh, why? If I had a kid in a public school, they would, I would yank them out so quickly. What is it with these Democrats? I mean, they're insane. Did, did the whole Democratic Party, have they been possessed by demons? I, I, I think so. Our bill clarifies that all Colorado students have the right to have their chosen name used as a protection of their First Amendment rights. Colorado Senator Janice Marshman told the Free Beacon in an email. The Colorado Parent Advocacy Network slammed the Democratic back, uh, Democrat back legislation, saying that it silences free speech and religious beliefs of a school, a school staff, and it cannot, in good conscience, abide by the bill. Unbelievable. A transgender Isaac H. won the girls' district wrestling championship this week in Afton High School in Missouri. Isaac, quote-unquote, is now heading to the girls' state wrestling tournament. No doubt he is likely a favorite for a medal. The Afton High School Facebook page celebrated Isaac's victory. They say it was historic. Oh, God, unbelievable. How would you like to be the father or mother of a girl wrestler? Uh, I was a wrestler back in high school. We didn't have girl wrestlers back in those days. Uh, I've never seen a, a, a female wrestling match, by the way. Uh, but, you know, how fair is it to have a genetic-born guy, uh, obviously with stronger muscles and everything else, wrestling a girl? And he wins the districts and maybe the states. This is so unfair to women. It really is. Uh, how about this one? The Bonded Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the state of Tennessee Thursday over a law penalizing prostitutes for spreading the HIV virus, insanely claiming it is a prohibitive form of discrimination under the Americans with Disabilities Act. The Tennessee law, which was passed in 1991, characterized internet intentional spreading of HIV as aggravated prostitution. Specifically, this occurs when a person engages in sexual activity as a business or is an inmate in a house of prostitution or loiters in public place for the purpose of being hired to engage in sexual activity, despite knowing that they are infected with HIV. So uh, the Biden administration uh, says that such restrictions violate HIV-infected prostitutes' right to live and work and go in public. <laughs> This administration is outrageous. I mean, incredibly outrageous. Uh, how about this one? Uh, we haven't talked about immigration today. There's a new report that charges that there might be 2 million terrorists who have gained access to the United States and are inside the borders now as a result of Joe Biden's open borders policy for the nation's uh, security. Now, the fact that some have entered, you know, is without doubt. I mean, we know that. 
I mean, border security teams have confirmed they've stopped people on the terror watch list at the border. Uh, and who knows how many got away. Uh, two million? Could you imagine that? Two million terrorists in the United States because of Joe Biden's open border policies. Treason. That is treason. If that is, if there's 2,000 terrorists in the country because of that policy, it's treason. It's insane. All right, what else do we have here? Um, all right, let's, let's end it with this. This was pretty bizarre. Um, Iran, Iran's top Navy commander announced that Iran owns Antarctica and that the regime plans to build a military base in the South Pole. Iranian Navy commander Rear Admiral Sharam Irani stated, we have property rights in the South Pole. We have a plan to raise our flag there and carry out military and scientific work. Iran's declaration of ownership of Antarctica came around the same time the Biden administration decided to unfreeze $6 billion in Iranian funds that are being held in Qatar. Again, something else the Biden administration did that's insane. It's unclear if Iran's statement was just a blanket threat, considering their action of claiming ownership of Antarctica violates the Antarctic Treaty, which came into force in 1961. The treaty states that there could be no military bases or structures of any kind, no military maneuvers, and no weapons testing. Military personnel could be used or stationed in Antarctica for science and other peaceful reasons only. All right, so Iran now says they own Antarctica. And by the way, a lot of mysterious things about Antarctica. A lot of mysterious things about Antarctica. Saying that it's uh, you can go underground, there's vast underground caverns. Miles and miles long. Some say, some say there's extraterrestrial bases underground in Antarctica. Read about the Admiral Byrd mission uh, to Antarctica after World War II. It's amazing. His account of what he saw there is pretty amazing. Congratulations. You've endured our two-hour program, and you've made it to the end. Thanks so much for joining us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining and spending time with me each and every week to listen to what I have to say. Uh, I find it interesting that people even care what I have to say, but thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for telling your friends about the podcast. Send them the link to it. Uh, uh, Thefinancialphysician.com is the easiest link to send them. Uh, our main uh, hosting area is Pod, uh, Podomatic, uh, podomatic.com. Just look up me. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, uh, a bunch of other platforms. So you can find me wherever you find your podcast. If you want to get in touch with me, just send me an email, Lou at the Financial Physician. Com, Lou at the financial physician.com. If you have a comment about the program, something, something you want me to cover or a personal question, um, a finance question that I can help you with. Love those emails. Love all your emails. Promise to respond to each and every one. You want to come in for a no obligation, one hour financial review. Call my office at 732-905-8100, 732-905-8100. I also do phone uh, appointments or Zoom appointments. And if you want to make a, an appointment to have your taxes done, uh, give us a call at 732-905-8100. Have a wonderful week. Join me next Sunday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. And always remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. <laughs>